This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 199 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Horse Show Moms and Glenn. Please support our wonderful sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections offers the whole universe of shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. Equity Manufacturing, home of the coolest manure fork ever invented. And Kentucky Performance Products, scientifically proven supplements for your horse. You can find links to all of them at StableScoop.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. I'm Glenn DeGeek. And I'm Helena B. And you are listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show right here on the Horse Radio Network. Did you hear what you said in that introduction? Did it register episode 199? I did. That's a really good number. It's better than (laughs) 200. It's better than 100. 199. It's got some beef behind it. Yeah. And next, we hit 200 episodes. That's hard to believe. That's a lot of episodes. (laughs) Don't we get an award or something? I is know, there some red yeah. carpet event we get to go to for that? No, pretty much not. But uh, I'll send you some. I'll send you a certificate. How about that? A certificate? Yeah, I'll print one out and send it to you. How about that? Well, is it made out of chocolate? Okay, that'll work. <laughs> I'll take a chocolate certificate. Do they still do those great big cookies you used to get in the mall and you could have stuff written on them? You know what I mean? I do, and I used to love those things, but I, I could only eat a piece of them because they would put the icing around the edge, and that would just put me over. That would just, <laughs> I'd say, because I want a piece with icing on it. And, you know, when two you were a kid, that was cooler than a cake. You know, it was the way big cooler cookies. than a cake. Yeah. Well, now the big thing is cupcakes. I know. Cupcakes and are huge. Oh, they are my total Achilles heel. Cupcakes. I, I like cannot that. eat just one. I think any kind of chocolate cake, pretty much. <laughs> well, it could, it could be. But they have all these different flavors now. And, like, when, when my stepsister comes up from Manhattan to visit, she brings these cupcakes from this really amazing cupcake maker down there. And they have, like, red velvet cupcake. They have coffee cupcake. They have, you know, vanilla chocolate, whatever. 99 different kinds of cupcakes, and I can eat them all in one sitting. <laughs> and who is usually in charge of making the cupcakes for the kids? I don't know. Mom. And that's what today's show's about, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, it wouldn't be me. <laughs> that's one thing this mom okay. does not Other do. moms. Other moms. <laughs> <laughs> Other moms. <laughs> we'll find out if our guests today actually make cupcakes. We'll ask them. But today we're going to do a roundtable. We've been having fun with these roundtables that we've been doing, starting to do this year. And uh, today we're going to do a roundtable. And this, this hits home right with you right now in your life. It really fits. Yes. Is, is being a horse show mom and, you know, all of the things that, that go along with that. And we're just going to have a discussion. We have some great guests coming up on that. We're going to have a discussion about, and I'm going to sort of sit out of that one and just listen because I'm not, I'm not a mom. 
You say that now. I'm not even a dad, so I can't really offer a whole lot for that. Although I'm sure I'll pipe in somewhere. There. You have, you know, you've got your little mother hen tendencies well, as well. And we certainly had enough horse show moms to deal with and all the kids that went through our barn over the years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You've got a good perspective. I, yeah, bring it on. You can, I was you're allowed. I my high voice, but that didn't work very well either. So my soprano isn't very Didn't good. you ever play a, a woman or a female no, part when did, you were actually. in your, your, your I acting company? I played a town crier. Deeper and louder was better. <laughs> So I played a king. Louder was better. You know, t- yeah. high voices weren't in uh, for kings back then. So <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to be doing that a little bit later on here. But first, I want to hear, are, are you still horse shopping? I, you know me. I'm forever horse shopping. But I have a new, I'm taking a new angle this time. Okay. Uh, I recently sent in uh, like a nine-page application to the Standard Bread Retirement Foundation which is a nonprofit organization. This one in particular is based in Hamilton, New Jersey, and they take off-track racing standard breads, put them through a couple of months of training, and then rehome them. And like similar to the new vocations program, they have it's very professionally run. Um, I think I've been told they do a good job of matching up standard breads with, with new owners. So I'm going to take a ride down there and – uh, hop on a few standard bread and see what happens. We just did a show on, on the driving show. We we talked to a lady who who helps people find horses, driving horses, and she's also the coach of the United States uh, para driving team. But uh, one of the things we talked about was what criteria you're looking for in a horse. So what did you tell them that you're looking for that they could use as a guide? Oh, it's wonderful. And this is one of the things I like about having to go through the adoption application process is because it forces you to get your thoughts structured about what it is you do want in a horse. Um, I, you know, if someone says, what do you want? Well, my wish list for a horse is all over the place, but filling out this application made me down. Well, no, I don't, I'm over pretty. Uh, you know, that would be your answer. <laughs> and he said, I don't really care if it's a mare or a gelding, but it has to be able to live comfortably in a small backyard barn and some horses are just not suited for that kind of living and then to have their rider hop on you know tack up hop on and then go out for a trail ride or go on adventures so being able to live in a quiet backyard barn was probably the number one criteria number two just had to be super safe on the trails um you know they can be lucky which is fine but they have to be comfortable enough or confident enough where uh, you know they're not going to let new experiences uh, worry them excessively. So, uh, you know, cause I have to hack out alone. Let's face it. I I'm here by myself. I have trails out my back door. I'll take my cell phone with me, but most of the time I'm going to have to be hacking out by myself. And that's the same way with Jennifer. She goes out alone almost, you know, once a week, maybe she'll meet up with some people from the neighborhood, but for the most part she's out and she loves going out alone on the trails. Yeah. And I mean, that's Jen and I talk about this all the time. We don't ride for the social aspect of, of riding. Are we goal oriented riders? Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and me probably more so than Jen. I mean, she's been there and done that. I'm still getting there, but, um, you know, it's not uh, being alone is wonderful. Being alone with my horse is wonderful. So I just don't want to go out there and have every ride be a training ride. Yes, and you you don't need that right now in your life. So right. <laughs> so if they if they can't steer so well in the ring or their green defenses, or uh, you know, in the case of a standard bred where they might need help learning how to collect into a canter or even a trot, that's okay. That's to me that's physical education. I can help 
a horse learns something physical, but what I'm not capable of doing is, is teaching them confidence. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. You don't need a wacko right now. That's not, that's not, no. where you need to be. and it's hard for me to let go of that. It's uh, really hard for me to say, I'm just a middle-aged mom. I know. To go and you're so out. attracted to wackos. That's been the problem over the years. <sighs> It's tough. It's tough. But, you know, and, and the other thing is a standard bread. I mean, every, Jen has been saying, take a look at standard breads. Kat from Draper Therapies, our good friend, um, she used to train standard breads. She had suggested the same thing. And everyone says they make great family pets, which is also another priority for me. We have yep. you know, kids here and dogs and cats and visitors. Hey, and then if I can talk you into taking up driving, you'll be good to go, too. You never know. <laughs> like I always say, I'll try just about everything except vaulting. <laughs> now, I have. A you have tried of, vaulting, actually. <laughs> Didn't work I out know, so well. Just not on purpose. <laughs> a, a friend of mine has recently become enamored with side saddle. Yes. She, well, what she's really enamored with is side saddle fashion. Yes. <laughs> and so I said, you know, you really just go get, in, go get in a side saddle and see what happens. And you know what? She had her first side saddle lesson yesterday and loved it. Really? Yeah. People say so, that have done it. You know, our friend Michelle Bergeron from Louisiana that's, you know, been on the shows with us, she, uh, she rides side saddle, you know, seriously and in, it, she, in dressage and everything else. And she said it's just comfortable. It's just a comfortable way to ride. You wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so, but, uh, you know, and now Sissy's been on the show before. She and I have fox hunted together, um, and so she got up, and she's a nervous Nelly like me. You know, we're good riders, but we don't trust what people say about the horses we sit on, you know, so we're always timid until the horse has a chance to prove himself to us. So she got in the, you know, she's on a trusty horse. She gets into the saddle, and she cantered in her very first lesson. Hmm. Wow. Walk, trot, canter in her very first lesson and she posted a video on YouTube of it. And I was just so impressed at how naturally it came to her. Now it could just be that this is her thing, but Did she it said you it want was, to try it. Oh God. Yes. I cannot <laughs> wait. I cannot wait. And then of course I went back to our previous stable scoop episode, which I think it was 83, which was on side saddle. 1200 we had the years ago. 1200 years ago. We had the American side saddle association on and, you know, re listening to this, uh, episode and now i'm dying to get into a side saddle <laughs> well we want to tell people to remind people that you can go back and listen to all the past episodes that we've done all the way back to episode number one they're right there at stablescoop.com it's very easy to go back and take a listen uh now I, I, one of the questions i got the other day helena i thought i'd bring it up is you are you one of the uh emailers wrote in and said well how, i just found you and i love your show and blah 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 but I can't listen on my computer all the time. I just don't sit at my computer that often. Well, iTunes is your friend. If you can get to iTunes or if you have a Zune, uh, very few people do, but if you, if you can get to iTunes, just look for Stable Scoop on iTunes. Just search for it in the podcast section, and you can subscribe, and it'll be automatically downloaded every week. Now, one person wrote this week, too, and also said, well, I can only get the past 50 episodes on iTunes. That is true. Um, you will only see up to 50 episodes on iTunes. They limit the number of episodes that we can put. So if you want the episodes that are before that, you you have to go to the website. You can download them from the website and then put them on your player, but uh, you have to do that individually. So that's something to keep in mind. Well, good luck. Did Have you heard back from them? Is there any prospects? Uh, there are prospects, yes. I had a phone interview when they received my application. Their adoption Did you get approved or have you been declined? 
I, I believe I'm approved. Okay. Um, she just she was very excited because she said she had just gotten three applications in that week, which apparently was a big deal. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of applications <laughs> to get at one time. So she was going to have phone conversations with the other two. Now, did you explain to her that one of the penalties for working with you is that she has to come on the show? I didn't. I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize my chances of being approved. <laughs> That's after. You'll do that but after. When she sees, I was like, I should show up at the farm with a film crew and say, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, forgot to tell you. Um, but the, uh, I, so she didn't technically say you're approved. She said she would give me a call back and let me know when I could come down, you know, schedule appointment and come down. So uh, there is a teeny bit of gray area there. I'm a little bit. Oh, you'll well, be fine. But she, <clears throat> it was really hard. I was so nervous because she, they ask you questions to make sure that you know what you're doing when it comes to horses. So um, I felt like I was being tested and I kind of was, she, you know, some of the questions she asked were, you know, what are the signs of colic? Um, what are the signs of founder? What would you do if you brought your horse in from a paddock and you found blood? You know, and so. Did you say I'm faint? Like, uh, no, I'm oh, good with blood. Oh, oh, I'm, okay. I'm good with blood and guts, but. You know, when she's, you, you're nervous, so I wasn't expecting these rapid fire questions. And she said, you know, what would you, what are the signs of colic? And I'm like, well, geez, how much time do you have? You know, the list can go on and on. So I'm like, well, I got to give her like three of the top signs, you know. So, so I give her, you know, tell her, give her my answers to the colic situation. And I tell her, I, thankfully, I haven't had a lot of experience with founder, but I would know the general signs. And, um, but then I felt like, well, geez, I should know more about founder. Like, Darn it! How come I didn't have a horse that foundered on me? <laughs> Answer that question. So she gets to the blood part, and I'm I'm laughing. I said, "Now blood and guts, I can do." <laughs> Here's what I would do if deep puncture wound, abrasion, shallow puncture wound, something that needs sutures. <laughs> She's like, "Okay, okay, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're approved." Well, that's good. I can't wait to hear about it. Well, you'll have to keep us all informed of uh, what you end up seeing and. Uh, how that goes, because, you know, I'm sort of half-heartedly looking around for a uh, retired uh, ex-racer that can ride and drive. So, state of bread that can ride and drive. So, I'm kind of keeping an eye out for that, too. Yeah, uh, I was, um, she said they have, I don't know, they had like 20-some-odd horses on the on the farm at the moment. And uh, after looking at my application, she's like, you know, we have at least three or four that are right in your sweet spot. Terrific. So, yeah, yeah. It was a very good practical uh, conversation, and I had asked her. I said, "You know, what what is the greatest surprise that you're that people who come down to look at the adoptees? What surprises them the most?" And she said, "It was um, when they ride the pace. You know, they giggle, <laughs> they laugh at it." She said, "But once they get over the giggling, they actually realize it's quite an enjoyable gait." Yeah, it's very comfortable to ride. It's very yeah. comfortable, and she said, "With her own standard bread, she doesn't discourage the pace at all." Um, but she's taught him how to move from the pace and into the trot just with leg aids. So, you know, I think that's a common misconception is that you're not able to get a horse to move out of, uh, you know, either their trotting ways or their pacing ways. And, um, all right. Well, good luck with that. Let us know Helena's never ending horse shopping adventure. And we're going <laughs> to talk more about that as the weeks go on. But first, we, we, well, we have to get to our guests and do this little roundtable about being horse show mom. First, let's talk a, uh, about equity. 
EquityMFG.com is the website that you want to keep in mind. If you're in the market, or even if you're not, because right now you should be, if you're in the market for manure fork, and most people, when they, are, when they buy a manure fork, they just go to the local you know, farm store and you buy a manure fork. And you don't put much thought into it. Well, you should. You should start putting some thought into it because if you're looking for the ultimate manure forks, you're going to find it at EquityMFG.com. They have uh, manure forks. We've talked about them here now. Uh, you know, several of the hosts on the Horse Radio Network are now using the Flex and Fork and the Shake and Fork. If you have only a couple of stalls, if you have like two or three stalls that you do a day, probably the Flex and Fork is perfect for you. This is, you're saying, well, what could be a difference in manure forks? Trust me, there's a difference. Our listeners now have started to buy these forks, and we're hearing back from them that there is a difference. These things are sturdy. The way they're made with the kind of spring action in, in the manure fork part makes a difference when you're cleaning the stalls. And you cannot bend these tines. I mean, I guess you could if you put a 500-pound lead weight on them. Yeah, well, but- I had a you know 1,100-pound quarter horse <laughs> who tried pretty hard yeah and he did okay. and, and i've you know i have gotten this thing stuck in roots that any other manure fork out of broken the tines and you're not going to do that with these things you really need to check out the flex and fork if you clean like five four five stalls or more a day you're cleaning 10 or 20 then you really need to take a look at the shake and fork and that's the motorized manure fork that actually has a motor in it and it does all the shaking for you and it saves a lot of time. The people that we talk to that use these things on a regular basis absolutely love them. They say it takes half the time to clean the stall and saves them about half the amount of bedding because you're not wasting any bedding with it. It does the shaking for you. You're only throwing away the poop so and the wet spots. That's all you're getting rid of. It's saving everything else. So there's two options for you, the shake and fork and the flex and fork. They're a little bit more expensive than the, the manure forks you're going to find, you know, just down at the TSC store. But they are well worth it. They're going to last you longer, and you're just going to love them. You're going to say, well, I don't know what it is about this, but I really like this. And I've used it for cleaning leaves, and a lot of uh, landscapers are starting to buy these forks now. They just work wonderfully, and you can find them all at Equity mfg.com that's equity mfg.com we have two guests coming up here right now we the first one is by the name of susan daniel she's the author of the horse show mom survival guide for every discipline you should be reading that book by right away i'm gonna get it (laughs) and i'm gonna get it the second one, the second guest is Barbara Hamilton. She's a blogger for HorseNation.com, and she blogs on being a horse show mom and the things that she's learned in her horse show momhood. So we're going to get both of them on right now, and we're going to have a little roundtable discussion on what it's like to be a horse show mom, the pitfalls, the things you do wrong, and also some pointers on things you should do right. So, Susan, welcome to our episode on being a horse show mom. You wrote the book, The Horse Show Mom Survival Guide for Every Discipline. How old was your daughter when you wrote this book? Well, um, the book was published by Lions Press in 2005, and I'd say I started working on it in 2003. It took about a year and a half, and then it takes a little while before it gets published. I had a column for Practical Horsemen for a few years, The Horse Show Mom. And um, it was that column that got the attention of the Lions Press, and they came to me and asked me to write this book. And your daughter was 16, 17 in that time? Well, she uh, she was born in 88. So when the book came out, she was 16. Yeah, okay. 
And, and so that so that was when you really needed a book just like that. Yes. No, I needed that book a long time before that, I have to say. <laughs> and that's why I wrote the book. What kind of writing did your daughter do at the time? What what was the, the meat of, well, of she, what she was you know, doing? She started in the hunters. She started in the hunters and uh, with the ponies and, and then moved up to, um, you know, children's and and hunter you know junior hunters and and uh, we had she had uh in we bought a horse for her in ireland in 2002 she was 13 and um that year was the first year that the ronnie much foundation in at in in florida gave a scholarship for a student to come and train and she won that scholarship so we trailed the horse down to florida and she got training from all the top trainers there, and um, she was, uh, you know, equitation was basically her thing. So You've spent a lot of years watching uh, kids go round in circles. Oh, yes, a lot <laughs> of years. In the beginning, she started at age six, you know, I think she went to her first show when she was seven or eight, and yes. Lots of of long days at the horse shows. Well, let's bring Barbara into this conversation, too. Barbara, we heard about you from Leslie over at uh, Horse Nation, who comes on our morning show every week. And she said, Mm -hmm. you got to read this article uh, from this (laughs) horse show mom. And that's Barbara Hamilton. And so now now you've become a writer for for Horse Nation. Tell us, uh, your daughter is now 16, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And what kind of riding does she do? Um, Equitation and hunter. Boy, this is the, we got a hunter group here today. Uh, yeah. So you're also watching a lot. You, you laughed when I said that, and I could tell that that was probably the case, watching girls go around in circles. <laughs> well, it's my own fault because I decided I wanted to learn how to ride a horse. So I dragged her along with me, <laughs> never realizing what, it, what was going to happen. You foolish woman. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're supposed to save that good stuff for yourself. What are you doing? Uh, well, they, see, that's, Glenn, that's where you missed the part here. It's, it's, we, we want to share all that wonderful stuff with our kids. Yeah, yeah but then they end up buying, get, wanting all the good stuff, and, and you're going to horse shows with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone's like, well, why don't you show too? And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> One's enough, you know? No, so. Barbara, I think I, I started the same way. Um, I had ridden a little bit as a child, and it was one of those things I wanted to get back to. And a friend of mine opened a bar, and we live in a small town in Iowa, and she, she uh, brought a trainer in, and I started taking lessons, and Katie started taking lessons too, but eventually it's one or the other. <laughs> it's, it's right. I still, I still ride, but I don't show. You yeah, know, right, so. right. And so we have, and so both of you are coming from the hunter and jumper equitation world, right? Yes. Which and is, now, is and, now, and now the Western world, you know. And now the Western world. I have to say that the, in terms of discipline, that is probably the most challenging for a parent because there's so much subjectivity. Um, Absolutely. That it really, you know, it really pushes your emotional buttons and, and you have to, you, you, there's a lot of personal growth. I think you have to, you go through along that rail, isn't there? That's right. That's, that's very well put. There is a lot of subjectivity. And it, sometimes I don't understand like what happened, you know, like why did someone place and someone else didn't place? Um, so I'm not always sure like how that works. I ask my trainer a lot of questions. You know, which is good. I, I can't see the difference. You know, that that's the whole thing. 
Now, does your trainer have, is she the type of person who's happy to explain to you, you know, or because, you know, trainers are, are, they're different. They're all different. Some are really want to include the parents and, you know, they're just sort of an open book and others are just like, do what I say and move on. No, our trainer's really good. And, and the other thing too, is that she also um, can read it, can read a judge. So a lot of times I shall say to my daughter, like do a light seat canner because I know that this judge, that's what she's looking for. Right. You know, so, so certain things like that really help. Um, but I think what's also really interesting that I didn't know before I got started in this whole thing is that if someone has a really, really expensive horse that can do, you know, automatic lead changes and flying lead changes and all of that, and you have a horse that, you know, is a barn horse, and but you are really, you know, you're trying really hard and, and you have pretty good act, but, you know, maybe not as good because maybe the horse is pulling you a little bit more, does the train, does the judge take that into consideration? And my trainer was like, no. No. <laughs> no. no. Learned that one very quickly. That's hard. You and know. it's very easy for, I see some of the other moms get sucked into that vacuum of let's plop down, you know, let's remortgage our house so that yeah. we can get one of those horses. And, and it's hard yep. because when you see your kid work their butt off and they're on the mm-hmm. best well-mannered, totally working hard school horse and they really deserve that blue ribbon. And and even though you could say something like, well, we're here for the experience, it's not all about winning, to see their little shoulders just sort of slump down when they get mm-hmm. their pink ribbon, um, that's when you, you like, you grit your teeth and you go, God darn it, what can I sell? <laughs> what do yeah, I have in the house true. that I can hawk to get a better horse? Yeah, that's um, very true. Yeah, it, it, it is true, and it, it, it's something I think we all go through, particularly in that discipline. Um, you know, we went through the whole series of you know the pony that we thought was too expensive, but then the better pony that really was too expensive. You know, <laughs> and then the horse, you know, that was, you know, you know, a good horse, but not as good as you know, what everybody else could buy or not everybody else, but that's, that's the thing. And actually one of the things I say in my book is that there's always going to be somebody with more money than you. And there's always going to be somebody with less money than you in a barn. And it, it, it makes for a very interesting dynamic and you have to kind of decide what it is, you know, you want for your kid. And, and we've been through the whole thing ourselves. And finally, after all those years at 16, Shady said, I, I'm tired of the whole equitation hunter thing because it's 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 such a hard gig. You know, we went to indoors, we went to Harrisburg and um, the McClay finals, and you're competing against kids who have like you know um, six horses, six you know thousand dollars horses, and it's very yeah. hard. You know, mm-hmm. private trainers. It's like okay, well, this isn't my thing. So she did the jumpers then. Yeah, and you're not going to compete against you're you're not going to compete against the Bloomberg kids, you know. You're no, just, you no, can't. No. You just can't. Yeah. You, as They're owned by as, corporations. But, you know those horses. Yes, right, they are. Know? But I will come back and say, you know, she's not winning every show. You know, it, it, there there are exceptions to the rule, and and she's you know, or 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 she'd be winning every show. She'd be buying her mm-hmm. wins in every mm-hmm. show, and she's not. So you know, well, not now, not now as an adult, because the jumpers, you know, the international jumpers, that's a whole whole different level. That's that's Olympic level. That's a whole other level. So, you you have good luck and bad luck, and you know you have good good horses that are good as young horses, and 
they have an injury and then you don't, you're, you know, your ride's lost and that's, that's a very complicated world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. So what, what would you say, what, and I'll ask Barbara because you're, you're, you're the newest to, to this, I think. What would you say has, what was the big, and I, I read your article, so that's why I'm asking you this first. What was <laughs> the biggest surprise about being a horse show mom? What was the thing that you did, didn't see coming? Um, the emotion. I, I, I didn't see the emotion that was going to come when she's performing at a show. Um, like I love everything about it. I mean, I love like helping her with the horse and grooming the horse and getting the horse ready and all of that. But what I didn't get, what I didn't expect was what in between her classes, like she really doesn't want to talk to me, you know, even though I ride and I'm trying and I'm her mom. Right. And I want to encourage her. Like she gets into a zone and she's very hard on herself. So if she thinks she didn't do well, maybe on the flat or the canter, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes I might get the brunt of it a little bit, you know, so I've learned to back off a little and just let her deal with a trainer. That I didn't expect. That's a hard thing. That's, I, I mean, personally, I try to distance myself from coaching my daughter or inserting myself because um, there's just too much of an emotional connection mm-hmm. between you and your child. And it, it sort of begs the bigger question is, as a horse show mom, are you comfortable with sharing authority? And, and sometimes, hey, sometimes it's nice to give up responsibility and even a little bit of authority. But uh, I found it difficult to give up that shoulder. Like when you see your kids hard on themselves, uh, you do have to back away. And that's, that was a challenge for me. Yeah, I think that's the hard part because you want to – you want to talk to your child and you want to encourage them. You know, you might see something that they're doing wrong that you've heard in lessons over and over, you know. But I've just learned to, like, I, I just back away at that point. You know, you don't want to be that parent that's, like, you know, in there. Like, I've seen some parents just crazy, you know, screaming <laughs> at kids and yes. the trainer screaming at the kid. And I'm like, wow, how is this fun? You know, this is not fun for any kid. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, what I I found was the best thing for me was just to be all about the comfort. You know, I'd help her groom her pony. I'd, you know, we'd do all those things, and then I'd just make sure she had good food. You know, we went to a movie at night. Just try and, you know, be that person that she could just come to and be comfortable with and Mm. not... And and it was very hard for me because we live in a small town in Iowa, so we often, we had a trainer for a number of years, and when she left, it was just Chaitna and I training a very young six-year-old horse that we bought in Ireland. And then when we would go to a show, we would hook up with a trainer in St. Louis. And the trainer there was like, the parents were totally hands-off, you know. I, I actually came up to the Ingate one time and was fussing with her shoes and got told to go sit in the stands. That was tough. Because we were actually doing all our own things at home. I was lunging that horse every day. I was setting her jumps. You know, it was a shared. It was a shared thing. I actually even rode the horse. Although by that time she was much better than I, so wasn't that much help. You know, <laughs> but it, it becomes a difficult thing when the trainer takes all the authority, and you have to give over to it. You know, and you have to find a place where you're comfortable because it's, 
it's um, yeah, it's you know, it's your relationship with your child. So I just became. We bought an old um, RV, and I hauled the horse, and we had the RV, so I would cook her meals because meals were a big thing for me. Horse show meals were like <laughs> they're awful. <laughs> just horrible. I always bring you know? own. <laughs> and you can never leave because you know sometimes they get faster at the in gate, you know, and you know. <laughs> It's like you're waiting and you're waiting and you want to run out someplace and get her some food. So that became a, that became a, actually a great boon to have that RV because then she had a place she could come to, you know, when she wasn't feeling so social or, you know, she she was bummed or whatever, and she just felt like she had a, you know, she was at home basically with her mother. But it is right. it's very hard to give over that authority, and oftentimes you don't want to give over the authority because you don't like what the trainer's doing. But as far as like being in the ring. I was always hands off. I was never, I never gave advice in the ring. You know, you have to give that to the trainer because that's what you've hired them to do. And as I think Barbara said, um, or, or or was it Helena? You, Helena, you, you, the the trainer often knows what the what the judge wants. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. The, the trainer often does know what the judge wants, and that's important. But when you're talking about. Um, other disciplines. I mean, I think, like I said, the in the hunter jumper equitation world, and I mean, not so much jumpers because that is more objective. Yeah. Um, but when I think the role for horse show mom is a little bit more precarious in the hunter and equitation ring than it is, for example, in the eventing world, or maybe even in barrel racing. I don't know mm-hmm. about Western pleasure, but um, so let's maybe let's shift a little bit there because this is, I mean. We started out with the hardest place you could be a, a horse show mom. What are the the pros and cons of, let's say, you know, eventing or Western competitive? Or dressage, actually. I mean, I, I did a lot of research, actually, for the book, so I could talk about all the disciplines. And I have to say, I went to, um, I don't know what the, you know, like a, a starred event in outside of Ocala, not, not in Ocala, but um, somewhere in Florida. There's a big eventing place there and and all the top people were there and they have a wonderful time they're all really friendly and really helpful to each other you know it, from the, from that the is a big there. difference yeah. that you saw because yeah, i grew up uh, grew up i married into the eventing world uh-huh. and you know all the kids that came through our barns all the teenagers were were pony clubbers and eventers so i you know i wasn't exposed to the hunter jumper side like like you all were um, I was exposed to the eventing side, and I thought they were all that way until I started going to some hunter-jumper shows and realizing that in the eventing world, you don't have that cutthroatness that you do over on, the, over on that side. No, no, you don't. And they, and they, all, they all hang out at, together at night around the barn. They, most of them bring trail, you know, they brought trailers, and they stay there. And, and you know, from the top, uh, you know, from the very top, people down it's all a big family well you and know i was what very the, struck by that well we attributed to that to and helena will laugh at this uh what we attributed that to was uh, you know in, in the in the hunter jumper equitation world you're worried about winning when you're an inventor you're yeah. worried about not breaking bones and dying <laughs> so well, that, yes and then having your, her, your horse get hurt right? yeah i That's mean you're right. just that worried the whole time about staying alive so yeah. no it's, it's a huge concern and and, and it's in the hunter uh, i mean the eventing thing can be kind of scary too, you know, for, but you're also competing. Also, you're competing against yourself in yes. um, in the eventing world, and so you don't have that natural or that inherent tension between riders 
and then teams and barns as you do in, you know, the hunter jumper world. And you have three events. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, barns and, you know, they you start, like, looking at each other's barns and which horses did they bring and who's up and all of that, like, just that whole competition as well. Yeah, so yeah. Know. how fancy the barn the barn drapes exactly. are. I mean, I was I was shocked the first time I went to a show and got charged for my portion of the barn drapes, you know, and the, <laughs> the show flowers and all that. I was like, what, what are you talking about? Let, let's just this. back it up there for a second. Explain that because uh, this is a big deal. Let, you had to pay for part of the barn drapes? Well, okay. So I didn't pay for the actual drapes. But what, what happens in a large A-circuit barn is that if, if it's an out-of-town show, and they're setting up everything. There's a setup fee. And then if they buy plants and flowers to decorate, which they often do because some, very often at very big shows, there are competitions for the best, prettiest barn. This is a hunter-jumper show. Right, right. Okay. And the clients pay a portion of that. It's all right. I didn't clients know that. Are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of a shock, actually. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't really care if the barn looks pretty. <laughs> and certainly in the eventing world, they don't do that. And, are and, you kidding? And, They're just lucky they have the, they get their equipment out of the trailer. I mean, and, <laughs> and there's always a bag full of duct tape, and yes, they'll use exactly. duct tape to put their drapes up. And they may and hang a that, sign, maybe. <laughs> now, maybe this happens in the dressage world. I don't know. I showed, I had my daughter's pony um, when she got a horse. I kept her little hunter pony and did dressage, and I did some shows in Florida. And I, so I don't know if in the large dressage shows they do the same thing, but for the most part, I don't think they're so fussy about it. No. Well, you know, the thing, right. too, is there's not a lot of kids, I think, there's in the dressage world. Yeah. And, right. you know, for many, many kids and parents whose first exposure to the horse world is through their children, it's the hunter-jumper barns. It is. That yeah. They it take is. the little kids. So this is your introduction to competitive horse sports. Right. The, I, to me, therein lies the greatest challenge is how do you expose your child to – and for some kids, this is their first experience in competitive sports at all. So how right. do you teach them that uh, – you have to balance that, okay, here's how you, you prepare, you work hard, you practice, you have a positive attitude, you're kind to your pony. So you're teaching them all these wonderful things about riding and competing and then you have to deal with the the challenge of – you know, well, the judge just didn't like your horse today, you know, but then, so then you switch over. Well, I don't see a lot of kids in the dressage world. And then in the eventing world, it's a little harder to get started. I think in eventers simply because there just aren't as many eventing barns around and even pony clubs are fewer and farther between these days. And that's really sad because the pony club, we didn't have pony club here. Um, when my daughter started we did, it was a very small chapter and I just happened to fall into this barn where the, the, the trainer was young. She was right out of college and got a degree in training, and she wanted to go to the A shows, which meant that we traveled a lot, you know. And so she had a, a group of young kids, and so that's we were introduced that way. If I had to do it all over again, I think I'd rather even start my own pony club um, chapter because we lived in Ireland for a while when Chady was 16, uh, so she could train. She trained with Keen O'Connor with show jumpers. And um, by the way, I I lived there for eight months with her, 
and showed and she went to all these fabulous shows and we spent about the same amount of money that I did living and showing there than we did in one year going to Florida and all the other shows. <laughs> Doesn't surprise so, me. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And of course they keep their they keep their horses in the trailer and they drive all over the country for one day shows. So there's no, none of this, you know, um staying overnight and paying for grooms and in and, and you know, the the barn drapes and all that kind of stuff. They don't do that. They're not into it. But um, what I did find over there, though, is they have this British, um, you know, form of Pony Club. It's where Pony Club started. And all of the kids go through this training. So they learn everything from the ground up, how to take care of their horse, you know, and they have, like, little tests that they go through um, all along the way to get certified. And it's it's hugely popular over there. And, and I think... I think it's kind of a disservice to our kids in a way to to have them trained and, you know, have the trainers do everything and the grooms and, and so there's not as much hands-on. And a lot of these kids don't really know that much about horses, about no, their own they, horses, you know. They, I think it depends, too, on the barn you go to because it, the barn to. we go to, like, we don't have grooms and things like that. And that's great. So the kids, the kids do learn a lot and, like I said, like, you know, she actually bought me this bag. I said, show mom on it because I always throw everything in there. And, <laughs> you, right, you know, we re- right. you know, the, when we end a show, we restock it and, you know, make sure everything's in there. And it's, it's actually been a really nice family experience. My husband always comes with us and, um, you know, the kids yeah, try to really help each that's, other. That's really great. And, that, and we started that way because our barn was just a small barn, you know, in a small town in Iowa. So we didn't, we didn't have grooms or anything, but... As Chady kind of moved up and after our trainer left and we had to hook up with other larger barns, you know, my experience changed. Mm-hmm. Now, but, let's, let's, uh, we have to take a quick break here for commercial yeah. and we're going to be right back. And I, I do have a question for you. And I, I wanted to know, because I don't know, I didn't have kids, so I'm going to ask a question that, uh, that, that people without kids might ask. It's, it's what I had to deal with kind of in a way with our students. So hold on one second. We'll be right back. Hi, Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collection's Product of the Week. The Product of the Week is the Equine Couture Ladies Air O Shirts. These I'll say that fast. <laughs> These shirts, um, the Equine Couture shirts used to have an issue with sizing, but the new ones are actually excellent. They fix the sizing. It's time to start buying these beautiful shirts again. Uh, the particular ones I'm highlighting this week, because I just wore one on a trail ride the other day, and uh, it was so cool. It was absolutely the coolest shirt I've worn in a while, and very, very pretty, and it fit perfectly. I got a raspberry pa- um, pad, and I had that raspberry stripe in that shirt, and I was styling. We come, It comes in a bunch of different sizes and a bunch of different colors, and they absolutely want to say that this is a very comfortable, low-priced shirt. And it also comes in long sleeves for those folks who like to cover up their arms in the summer instead of exposing them to the sun. Um, it comes in the long sleeve with the same material. So it's equally as cool in the long sleeve as it is in the short sleeve. Highly recommend giving this a try again. If you try to quaint couture and you weren't happy with the sizing, please come back because they've fixed it. 
All right. And it comes from anything. I mean, you're right. It does have a lot of different sizes from small all the way up to like 3X. 3X, yes. And that's, um, and they really do fit well now. So and some come fun colors. We're talking some unusually fun colors about this. Yes, so. really fun colors. And if you like, like me, to um, match it up, you can get all these colors and match up your saddle pad, and, and you, you're just really cute. All right. <laughs> take a, the best way to do this is to go to equestriancollections.com, search for Equine Couture Ladies Air. So I have a question how what percentage of your time and effort was involved with other people's kids you you see things that you cringe at and you know how much mental effort did did you have to put in in not making comments and in getting involved in other kids lives and and other parents lives when when you just saw things that like you mentioned earlier, I think it was Barbara that mentioned earlier, you know, you see the parents and the coaches just making the, 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 li- the life of the kid miserable that they're not having any fun being on a horse at all. Um, how much of that affected you as a mom? And Kalina, you can chipe in there too then. Susan, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, I can't say that I was ever at a barn where the behavior got really outrageous. I've certainly been at the in-gate and watched it, you know, from afar. But one of the advantages, I mean, here's, here's, the, here's the flip side, okay, to the trainers keeping the parents out, that a trainer with good control actually keeps the parents from making those kind of egregious mistakes with their child by yelling at the in-gate. I mean, I've had trainers who we would have just been cut loose and sent home and never allowed to come back, you know, if a parent had behaved in that way. So that, that is a good thing. But I have seen it. I've seen it, and, and, it's, and it's tough to watch, I have to say. It's tough to watch a parent yell at their child while she's going around in the room. That's it, a very tough thing. I can't I've, keep my I've mouth never seen it. I've never seen it our barn. Or, you know, mm-hmm. again, you know, just like you said, the, the trainer is at the gate. You know, we're, right. we're there, like, on the fence looking in, and, you know, maybe I'll, like, look at her and make her like a smile face, like, come on, smile, you know, don't look like <laughs> you're in pain when you're going around. But, um, some, and maybe we're just over-involved parents, but I, sometimes I'm just a little surprised that like parents don't show up at shows or, you know, sometimes we have to get to the barn at like 5:30 in the morning and the kids are dropped off or, um, they don't have the clothes they should be having, you know, have with them that it's a little bit chilly out and they're, you know, don't have a jacket or they don't have anything to eat or drink. And you're like, that makes me wonder a little bit sometimes, you know, like, isn't there some communication going on about and it, the it's, show? It's, it, the communication is an important point, Barbara, in that you have to have a good relationship with your trainer and a good trainer, I think, will bring the parents in. And not but, exclude them. You know, it but depends. They, but it, I think they do, and it does. Sometimes it doesn't always sink in. That's true. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that there are some parents who really do just need to be pushed out. But I think for the most part, at least the horse show moms I've seen is they do want to be involved somehow. 
but as moms, like like you said, you have the horse show mom bag. It's packed. It's ready to go. That was one mm-hmm. of my favorite things about getting my daughter ready. She's young. She's nine. She's not going to remember everything she needs to bring to a show. Right. So we have mm-hmm. the horse show backpack. And yep. everything that she's going to need, plus tw- you know, plus two of them, is in the bag. And yep. – you know, that's my job. Make sure she has something to eat. Like you said, if I could bring an RV, that's a great idea too. (laughs) So, you know, and maybe this is just a shout out to trainers is use your moms and make it a team effort. Um, instead of the mom on the rail and you know, the trainer in the ring, um, it's, and, but then again, as moms, you have to say, I I want to help. I don't want to be my daughter's trainer. How can I help? So you kind of have to have good communication with the trainer. Which, like you said, is not always easy. Right. It's not always easy. It depends upon the trainer. You know, I mean, I, I actually, when I first started writing for Practical Horsemen, I actually met the editor at, at Harrisburg, at a horse show in Harrisburg, where I was just there to watch a friend's daughter. And I said, you know, you need a column for moms because this, this industry is so kind of crazy. And it's very hard to find information. It's as if information were a commodity that was only being given out, you know, in small pieces, because often you'd find the train the trainers didn't want to tell you too much somehow because they felt like telling you too much would make you be too involved. So, um, you know, and, and I'm just saying that not from my personal experience so much as, but from talking to other parents who actually felt like they were sort of on the outside. So, um, so that's when I started writing for Practical Horsemen, and then and then the whole idea of a book because nobody tells you what the rules are, you know, for the as Barbara said, you know, nobody tells you why the judge doesn't like your child, you know, or your child's horse, or, you know, what does this mean, a fancy mover, you know, how, you know, and, and, and there's so much, there's so much information out there that you need to kind of gather from the ether somehow, little bits in here from the other parents, and, you know, it's very difficult, it's very, very difficult to navigate that world. You, you have always a, do what yeah. I did and just convince your trainer to go into eventing. <laughs> Give up the hunter jumper. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, now that's something. Well, that's something. You have, there was a chapter in your book um, called It's Not Soccer. It's not, yes. yes. So tell yes. us about that. Well, it's, it's, it was actually an, uh, one of the essays that was published in Practical Horsemen. And, and you know, basically... That that essay, it's not soccer. I was really paying tribute to the depth of this world that we're in. You know, I mean, a competitive sport is one thing. And certainly, you know, it costs more than a pair of soccer shoes and a ball. It's very, very expensive. So it's very laden with a lot of emotional issues, you know, that revolve around finances, your relationship with your husband, the family's finances, how you compare to other families, you know, and how you can compete, this whole question of the cost of horses and the cost of competing. But um, the idea, I mean, the, the, the thrust of that essay really was that in the end, I always felt it was worth it because there were time, the times that I spent with my daughter in the truck driving these long distances or in the stall helping her with her pony or her horse, you know, they're priceless. You know, I would not give up a minute of those. Now, I want to, before we wrap here, I wanted to ask each of you if you, if you had one or two tips, uh, short tips that you were going to give to new moms coming into the horse world 
The first thing I would I would say to to back up what you just said, Susan, is that uh, we always and we've said it uh, since day one here on the show, and I've said it to uh, to dozens of moms that used to come through our barn. Is yes, you want your daughters getting involved with horses as soon as possible because they won't be getting involved with boys until later than the other girls. So. Um, and we found that generally to be the case, as they were they had a later interest in boys if they started with horses when they were ten or eleven. So, uh, other than yes, get them involved in horses. What would <laughs> what would be a couple of tips that you would give the moms that would be the most helpful things for them to learn early on? And we'll start we'll start with uh, Susan. Well, I think, um, and I and I actually gave a lecture on this at, at Pony Finals one year was know what you're spending, make a budget. Because it, it can get away from you so quickly, and I've I've known friends who have done this. They just they don't they don't really want to know, you know, <laughs> what it costs <laughs> in some ways, and they're just out there writing checks. Have a budget that your family's comfortable with, and then stick to it. And then once you know what what you want to spend, then you can like find ways to save money and not have it cost so much. So we always did that. We had a budget every year. And that's why Chady got this scholarship to the Ronnie Much Foundation because I was looking for some some way for her to go to Florida without spending a fortune. You know, so I, I had my ears and eyes open for all those possibilities. And then pick and pick your shows uh, accordingly, you know. Which are the closest ones? You know, what are the what are the outs, up charges if you're if you're going overnight then you're gonna be paying the trainers fees overnight and that that kind of thing. I think that's one of the things that uh, you overlook. You you want to overlook. You it's want to of, overlook. Yeah, it's exactly. It, I think that's a great tip because you you can because get because it's a shocking amount of money. Well, because you're trying to compete with the Bloombergs, you know. Exactly. And mm-hmm. and you get sucked in. And I can't tell you how many people we met over the years that had huge mortgages on their houses, second mortgages, all to afford this this habit. Yet, if they weren't horses and they were playing, they were playing soccer. Um, or tennis, or something, they wouldn't have that. Uh, you you can't keep up with the, you know, they talk about keeping up with the Joneses. You can't keep up with the Bloombergs. You're not going you to. No, you can't. You have to put a limit. Yes. Yeah. All right. And uh, Barbara, what would you say would be the tip that you would give? I think that you have to develop a really good relationship with your trainer, one that you're comfortable with and that your child's really comfortable with. I mean, you know, every trainer has a different personality. And, um, you know, and how they teach. I think we, we've been really fortunate. I mean, we, we found a trainer. My, my daughter just adores her. But, you know, I've been at many horse shows, like I said, where I was ready to walk up to the trainer and, and say something like, stop. I mean, stop yelling at this kid. Like, this kid's crying. I mean, like, this is not what you should be doing. You know? So I think it's super important that you develop a relationship so you can talk to the trainer. But... Also, that your child has a relationship with that trainer and that she likes the trainer, you know. And I also think the other thing, too, is ask your child what shows she wants to be in. Because, you know, sometimes my daughter wants to do a really difficult show, and then other times she doesn't. You know, she's like, I'm not ready. Like, we just switched right now um, from one pony to another. And um, she did the uh, Garden State last year. And this year she wasn't ready with this pony for a garden state. It just wasn't going to happen, you know. So you have to kind of feel them out, too, of where their comfort level is. I think that's really good advice, Barbara. That's, that's, that's a very good point. The trainer and then what your child wants. 
And I'll add mm-hmm. to that trainer thing because sometimes what we've also seen happen through the years is that you'll get involved with a trainer and then you feel kind of like you're in a box and you, you don't like the person. Your child doesn't like the person. And Helene and I have the same feeling about this. Fire them and go on. Don't waste yeah. any more time. Fire them and go on. There's more yeah. trainers out there. You do, you're not stuck in a box. Your life's not going to end. Your child is going to still show and go find the, the trainer that does fit. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's better right. to take a season off. I mean, and I know a lot of parents would say, but we're going to miss this whole show season. That's well, okay. then find something else to do in that year. Doesn't She doesn't have to get out of the tack. She just might not be showing with that trainer. Mm-hmm. And, but it's you can't undo the negativity that can be done in even one show season. You know, it'll Absolutely. take years and years of of working with your kid to undo that. Or they'll want to quit wanna, and not do it at all, you know. Right. Yeah. I want to look back at this time and, and remember it as like a really great experience, you know. I don't want to look back at it and say, oh, wow, we should have done something totally different. This was really wrong. So now, to be fair, should we do a follow-up uh, next week with the uh, have a trainers roundtable about parents? That'd be <laughs> that'd be great. That would be great. Yeah, well, I'm sure I, they'd I have, have some good stories. <laughs> yeah, I have this wonderful illustrator for my book, and and I had him draw this picture of. Um, I actually found that Jeff Teal had a picture at his barn that was with the mother with tape over her mouth, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had Harry Weber uh, draw one of those. I'm trying to look for it. Anyway, it's in the book. You can probably look through the book on Amazon and, and see some of the pictures, but, but it was a similar thing. He's giving a lecture, and the mom's gagged and bound. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we do, we, we stick our foot in our mouths every now and again. I, I do. Of course. <laughs> And I always apologize. You know, there's times you had asked earlier, Glenn, you know, what do you ever um, are you a mom to other kids? And uh, you know what? That's my major character flaw. I'm a mom to everybody, whether they want me to be or not. And that's the Italian coming out there. (laughs) But there there have been times where I've, you know, actually stepped up to two girls, two teenage girls in our barn who were they were just having these mental breakdowns in the warm up ring. And. You know, I tapped into my experience, not as a mom, but as a coach and that physical or that that um, mental preparation that you that psycho preparation that you need before you go into any competitive event. I just gave him a couple of quick tips. Well, it happened to help, you know, so the next time I'm just this this mom floating around the barn and they need a little pep talk. Well, now they come to me. So I think it's nice to be approachable to the other kids, you know, to have something to offer. But you do just have to say, this is not my world. You know, there, there's a line in the sand. If I can help, I'm happy to. But, uh, yeah, I carry a roll of duct tape to put over my, own, <laughs> over my own mouth. You know, it's just, it's part of being humble, I think. Well, I, was, I was a crazy mom who, when she was switched from one pony to another, went and pleaded the case to my trainer of why can't she stay with the pony, right? Oh, and I read that, yeah. And then my trainer kind of looked at me with this look like she didn't want to answer me. And then my daughter rides the other pony and says to me, I love her. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, I just spent 10 minutes like pleading your case. <laughs> you know? And the other thing that we will end on this, we have to remember, is they're still kids. I know. I know. They are. They're they are. still kids and, and they're going to change their mind every five minutes about everything. 
what's a crisis today is is has been totally forgotten, and we're on to something else tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, we have Susan Daniels, author of The Horse Show Mom Survival Guide for Every Discipline, still available at Amazon, I might add. It's in stock for $11.29. It's worth uh, hopping on over there. Do you, you have a website, too. Why don't you give us that? I, um, yeah, the website actually, I have to say, hasn't been updated much in the last few years. I'm busy getting my MFA in creative writing now, and I'm, I'm writing some fiction. Well, cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the website is thehorseshowmom.com, but I also just put up a Facebook page. So okay. if you just go to the Horse Show Mom, uh, the Horse Show Mom Survival Guide on Facebook, and you can like it there, and, and I'll put a link to the show so everybody can, can listen. And, um, yeah, and thank you so much. No I, problem. I really enjoyed this. I, I have to say, I saw my trailer this year, and it was, it was, it was a very sad day. Uh, isn't it funny? Day. You spent a lot of time in that trailer. <laughs> Yeah, sad, sad day. Now, Barbara, you, you're writing now for Horse Nation, and uh, yes. you can go there and look for Confessions of a Show Mom. And or is that going to be a regular gig? You're going to write regular articles for them? Yes. Okay, cool. And that's it's what... a great job, Barbara. I went and read, read the two. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Very good. I wish they had been around when I was... <laughs> I'm going to put a plug in for Horse Nation, too. It's a terrific website for anybody that's interested in horses of any kind. It has some humor. It's our, it's our style. Uh, it's humorous and, humorous and fun and yet, uh, you know, yet is informational, too. So that's uh, HorseNation.com. And thank you so much to both of you. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. This Tack and Habit segment is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Well, it's a hot one out there, and the heat wave has hit much of the United States and the rest of the world. Well, don't let dehydration and electrolyte imbalance sideline your horse. Summer Games electrolytes are formulated to replace both the electrolytes and the trace minerals that are lost when your horse sweats. Its concentrated formula allows you to easily feed the correct amount to meet your horse's changing needs. This uh, electrolyte was developed for the equine athletes at the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta. We all know that it can get hot in Atlanta. For horses on the go, use Summer Games Electrolyte Plus Paste. Each dose contains a serving of Nalox equine and acid for double the protection against stress. And, of course, you can find all of that at Kentucky Performance Products. They take out the confusion of choosing the right supplement. And you can find them at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, Helena, you picked again this week another product. Now, I assume that this is something that you wear and use. This is something that I wear and use and just bought okay. a new Ooh, pair of. New. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, now, I, you know, I'm really particular about things. Just no, we hadn't noticed. <laughs> particular about things. And a few weeks ago, I, I had some not so great feedback about a certain type of breach that, that I had purchased. Um, this is the second pair of Ariat Pro breaches that I've purchased. And I call them pro because the word after pro changes sometimes. There's Ariat Professional, Ariat Pro Circuit, Ariat Pro this, that, and the other thing. Um, essentially, it is the same breach, uh, but 
just like skis and other sports equipment, every year that a vendor comes out with a new model, they, they change the name a little bit. Uh, so this year's model is the Ariat Pro Circuit Side Zip Breach. When I first came on the scene, you know, riding and showing and hunting, I was a fan of the tailored sportsmen. I'm now a bona fide 100% Ariat apparel fan. The pro circuit breeches that I, I, I bought recently are made with something called the shoulder dry skin fabric. And it's sort of like, um, it's not a jersey material. You know, it's not a heavy plasticky polyester type of material. It's forgiving. It hides your flaws. Um, it's smooth. You know, it's sort of silkyish. So, for example, hay won't stick to it. <laughs> and right. and it's cool. It, so it covers your flaw. It's like wearing a pair of slacks versus wearing a pair of stretchy jeans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not loose and baggy. Or skinny jeans, even worse. Or skinny jeans, even worse. So it fits you comfortably. It has a wide waistband. So you don't feel like that waistband rolling into your little tummy. Um it's got pockets that are, you know, on an angle in the front. So when you're walking around, not on your horse, your phone's in your pocket. It's safe. The, uh, the, what, the other thing that I like a lot is at the, the bottom of the britches, they call it the calf fit system. It's the part that goes under your boot. Some britches are made of the same material and the same thickness as the rest of the breech. But with the Ariat calf fit system, it's just a little bit tighter, just a little bit thinner, and a little bit smoother. So it does not bother you under your boots. Oh, you don't get the bunch up thing? Oh, <laughs> yes. And, you know, some, some breeches also have, like, the Velcro tab at the bottom yeah. to keep the ankles closed or whatever. These don't have that. They fit just so smoothly and comfortably under boots. The, um, the, the fabric is stretchy, right? And, but not, like... It doesn't show your lumps and bumps, really. That's what's important to me. It doesn't show lumps and bumps. <laughs> and they were a perfect fit. So I, I just absolutely love them. The knee patches are great. Um, they're the Clarino yeah. knee patch. Yep. They're not, not leather, but they're grippy enough so that they actually serve a purpose. Now, you like the side zips? Have you always worn side zips? or Side zips are a good idea for anybody who's concerned about their tummy. Yep. And that's like half of the women I know, especially if you're over <clears throat> 25, um, because they just make for a cleaner, smoother line along your waist. And I think they actually fit better. Your show coats or your hunt coats fit more smoothly in the front over a side zip. I agree. You know, I think that that's probably true. Um and I noticed that uh, I was just taking a look at the price of these, and it looks like uh, the retail on them is like 219 but you can find them for as low as a, like 140 some. Yep, yep. We have um, – because, you know, Ariat's everywhere. It's, you, you can find them, and you can find them at you know, various discounts. I know with some of the manufacturers you can't discount too deeply, but you can get them for, yeah, about 145 is sort of the average that I've found. And of course, one of our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, has them and has them right now at one forty three ninety five. So that's a pretty good. And they come in white, beige, khaki, and and uh, white, beige, khaki, and fawn. Apparently. Yep. Yep. And I have them in. They actually actually came white, in beige, and khaki. That's what they can. White, beige, and khaki. Now the I had a pair from two years ago, which came in like a taupe color. Uh huh. 
It's got a little more, you know, red or purplish in it, which was just as lovely. And, and they were just really nice. But it's this fabric that's a high quality. If you're, if you're a fan of tailored sportsman breeches, I would definitely suggest trying the Ariat Pros because they're right up there on the same level of quality, I believe, and comfort. Well, terrific. Well, there's, a, there's one. She trashed one a couple weeks ago and endorsed one this week. So that's the Ariat Ladies Pro Circuit Riding Breeches. Uh, and as, as we said, we'll put a link to it in our show notes. Well, thank you, Helena. Appreciate You're that. Yeah. Well, and thank you, everybody. We're running out of time. We have to call it a day. We're going to be back next week. Now, I promised that this week, in the end of last week's show, I said this week we were going to talk about Robin Hood. That's actually next week. Uh, we had a little bit of change in the schedule. So, so we're going to do some mounted archery next week. Weaponry. Did you notice? I don't know if it's just that we're more in tune because we do the show now and we're always doing research and we just spend a lot of time reading about different things. There seems to be all these little niches in the horse world that are developing. So when I found Mart Mount, and I used to love to do archery. I, I had bows and I used to love to do archery. Never off a horseback. But now I'm thinking, you know, how cool is that? That's a pretty cool thing to take. A I'm, look at. I'm like in my mind. I'm coming up with a new discipline for you, like driving. What's the driving what's the drive? Right, right. What's the driving class where you have to have a navigator? Oh, 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 yeah. When you're doing combined driving, like in in the marathon in the cross country. Right. Okay. So, yeah. right. so maybe we can do like a driving discipline where one person drives the ponies and the other shoots bows and arrows at the, stuff well that's called chariots i think remember the chariots they used to shoot from the back of the chariots and in, in the yeah. Other days? yeah yeah to, well i have to ask them next week if they do it would, driving it would kind of be like like you know tammy Strons from the western radio show cowboy mounted shooting only you would be driving and you wouldn't be shooting a gun you'd be shooting a bow and arrow well that's kind of th- i think what they do here so we'll find out we'll learn more about it next week and don't forget you can listen to all the shows on the horse radio network at horseradionetwork.com and what else, Alina? Uh, go to our Facebook page. There's always a discussion going on and photos and listeners are piping in on what they think about the, uh, the show's discussion. So join us on Facebook. You can always keep the conversation going there. Just search for us under Stable Scoop. That's it. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week, Alina. And good luck with the horse hunt. Thank you very much. I'll keep you all updated. <laughs> <laughs>